Hello friends, this is John Klein III of episode 86 of Shadow and Flame of Magic, the podcast, and today we're going to review Uncanny X-Men 164, so let's get to it, to it. Once again, thank you to Francisco for providing the theme song to the podcast, appreciate it, and you, and thank you everyone for your patience, I um, made a a tweet about holidays and working so much uh, the past week and feels good to be podcasting in. I thought about it a bunch, but then there was just times where it was like 1230, like midnight 30 or one o'clock. And I was like, I gotta go to bed. Like I, I just can't do it. But um, it's November 29th still. We're 15 minutes away from midnight, but I'm feeling pretty awake. So I wanted to get back into it, and since this is the last days of November, I was like, I got, I got two uncanny or two Captain Marvel issues I still want to do, or Carol Danvers issues. So I was like, I let's just knock this out. I had a issue forty one I wanted to knock out, but uh, Kitty's only on the cover of it, and so my excitement level for doing it isn't high. So I'm going to put that on the back burner, but I want to get that done before December is over. Uh, and we have one Inferno issue left, so opening with a bit of a state of the show. And uh, the Spotify rap has come out. I was hoping we were going to have like a cool like how many listeners and all this and followers, but I guess it makes sense that we haven't had growth. It's been nothing but the show. So, uh, but it did say I had like 1.9 uh, thousand minutes of the show, which breaks down to essentially four days worth of show. So that felt pretty impressive. So I'm looking forward to the um, issues in the the wrap for next year. And sort of like Facebook where I want to do the work for, but I never actually put in the work like because I always love seeing the this time last year or years pass and but I don't post enough on Facebook so everything's like six years ago I'm like oh like I need to do the work so I really want to start pushing the Spotify which I should do in a ways as they're the ones who let me the app I use to upload the episodes into. So I should be more loyal to Spotify. When I tweet about it, I do list Spotify first. So I'm like, well, that's something. So we're doing one issue, 164, the last Dave Cockrum regular issue for now. And uh, on the cover is Binary, Carol's um, run, uh, new look at this present. Uh, the character box is Kurt, Storm, Colossus, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Kitty. The cover has Storm, Cyclops, Kurt, and Colossus around her legs. But it's clearly like, hey, everyone, look at this cool new cover or new costume. Corner Bottom left is the Spider-Man mask. This is comic book code approved. It would have cost you 60 cents. Or 25 pence or 75 cans. This issue came out in December 1982. So I would have been almost a year old. <clears throat> birthday coming up. First birthday. 
So this is Binary Star. Stanley in, introduces, starring the uncanny X-Men, writer Chris Claremont, penciler Dave Cockrum, finisher Bob Whitepip, my all-time favorite inker, letter Joe Rosen, colorist Janine Casey, editor Louise Jones at this point, and editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. Our cast is Storm, Wolverine, Carol Danvers, Kitty Pride, And these are all like headshots. And I don't know where their focus is because it's not on the ship that's um, launching from the planet. Uh, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Lilandra. <clears throat> and so they're blasting off to safety, or they're hoping. The Brood are chasing them in shark shaped ships which is fun hard to say but they don't want to kill the x-men because the queen re-emphasizes that all the characters except wolverine are holding baby embryo brood embryos that once hatch will have their sweet powers so they're just trying to shut the plane down her plane the spaceship the laundra's spaceship to be specific And so they're trying to get away. Cyclops has been thinking that something weird is happening as they've been being treated with kid gloves. The Queen does say that if you can kill Wolverine, do so as he killed their, her baby with his healing factor. <clears throat> and so the X-Men are trying to figure out what they can do to um, ensure success in getting away. Leaving Kitty Pride to care for Nightcrawler, who's on the bridge. Injured during the escape, Carol Danvers, well, the first part of the escape. Carol Danvers, Colossus Wolverine, race for the weapons control center. Carol mentions how, <clears throat> well, I guess since this is supposed to be Captain Marvel focus, I should read Carol's lines. The status board indicates we have access to a mixed arraignment of blasters and fire-and-forget computer-guided missiles. These controls look fairly easy to operate. Simply pretend it's a video game or, or video arcade game. Because you can't just say video game. Because who knows what the council is at the console is. Oh, oh, no, the issue starts with an Atari game, so... With some sweet, amazing new life forms are taking over attacks. So, it doesn't really promote which game it is. Uh oh, it's football, baseball, and other words that my ODAD brain eyes cannot see. <laughs> Make out. So, yeah, so I don't think we're ready to quite say that you can just play video games. Yeah, emphasize the arcade because that's where their home is. And Wolverine's quick to mention that you know the stakes are higher than just quarters. He's troubled by you know the X Men need to live but at the same time they're dying. Between them, Carol and Wolverine begin to take a deadly toll. Colossus, however, is not quite so fortunate. He's kicking himself as his brains is not fast enough to fire missiles. Like he's not able to process the quickness of it all. Elsewhere, and Cyclops is in a cool orb where he's able to blast his optic blasts out from the punch dimension. 
He doesn't reference the punch dimension, though, d- disappointingly. So, but he's able to blast away, so that's pretty great. Meanwhile, on the opposite side of the hole, and Storm can't control the weather, or at least can- can't control the solar winds. She feels very disconnected from all of her elements, but she's willing to try lightning. And doing so, just lightning blasts a ship, killing everyone and she's sworn to never take a life so she's pretty disappointed in herself uh they take a, a direct hit little laundra which in my brain i want to say iliana and that's just on me i gotta fix that about myself and katie's like is it serious and the only way they can get it fixed is someone goes outside and does the fix kurt's like i'll do it horrible german accent and Katie's quick to be like, no, you won't. You're barely able to stand. And besides, what will you do out there when the the seas Lloyd shoot at you? Duck? And Katie's wearing a fun um, full-body suit. It has like an hourglass, dark green. Uh, well, I guess where the hourglass is, where the top of it's her shoulders, the midsection, and then the, other, the bottom half is her hips. And the other side... Body's uh, light green with matching dark green boots and gloves. And then Colossus or Cyclops and Colossus show up to try to stop her. And Scott's like, Kitty, we heard what you intend. I won't allow it. It's too dangerous. That's crazy, Scott. I'm the only one who, for whom it isn't dangerous. If any beams come my way, I'll phase through them as easily as I phase into the pressure suit. And use the suit's video camera and radio the laundry can monitor my progress. And tell me what to do. I'll be careful, Scott. I promise. And, I'm, and I'll be all right. As she phases into the suit, which looks awesome. And it's the same suit, uh, if you're familiar, the Fox, the 90s animated series, where we first see her, the big bug-like head of it all. After making certain she has the necessary equipment and that it's functioning properly, Kitty phases through the primary hall, thinking to herself, Wow, Star Wars was never like this. The busted module is aft beneath the solar fins. I want to run, but I can't. I'm not using a safety line. One misstep, throw me off the space, and the arrows won't be able to stop and come after me. At that moment, in weapons control... Poor Carol is thinking, what the? My vision suddenly went blurry. I saw colors, images I never dreamed possible. But everything's normal now. Probably stress. I was delayed reaction to the treatment I received from the brood. Maybe you see the brood recognize Kitty's on the hall, and they're like, well, blast at her. Like, just take her prisoner. And so they're blasting at her, but they're going through her. I know I've been through moments like this before, but they don't get any easier. I can't help wondering what will happen to the one time my power doesn't work. Which is amazing, because this is 164, and uh, the Mutant Massacres, well, I guess it's like 50 issues away in like 212, 214. And her powers would not be working during that era. Why'd I open my big mouth anyway? What am I doing here? I'm just a kid. No, not anymore. I'm an X-Man. I earned my place on the team, and here's where I prove it. Which is funny as, you know, they're going to be back on Earth in four issues, and Xavier's going to want to take her off the team. So she's like, no, I am an X-Man. 
And so everyone's trying to attack. We get this awesome page by Dave Cockrum. Well, the whole art team, but like it's broken out into one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven panels where we just check in quickly of everyone. It's like real snapshots of everyone. Scott's blasting. Storm's refusing to do anything as she can't t- risk taking another life. In the weapons control, Carol's sweating. Another spell of weirdness, worse than before. The sensations aren't unpleasant, just totally strange. The brood subjected me to evolutionary modification. I guess they just have triggered something inside me. But what? And Kitty's um giving a set rep. So far, so good, little Londra. I replaced the primary. Ow! Oh, not a problem, really. Shapno from a near miss. Didn't see it coming. Didn't phase. My suit automatically sealed itself, so I haven't lost much air. I'm bleeding. I don't think it's serious. It hurts like blazes, though. And then they tell her to come in immediately. No, I'm staying. I almost finished, Lilandra. A few more minutes and we'll be safe. So little time yet for Kitty. It may well be the rest of her life. And now I can't help but think about Marauders season or <laughs> volume two and how she gets to work with Lilandra's daughter at one point. And now I can't remember they make a point of being like, hey. Let's recognize this. Xandra? Yeah, that's her. <clears throat> the same, in a way, holds true for Carol. Years ago, a freak accident combined the best genetic elements of human and ancient star-faring creed to transform her into Miss Marvel. And while she later lost her superpowers to the mutant rogue, those hybrid genes remain. Now, thanks to the brood's meddling, their untapped potential is being realized with a vengeance. She cries out, and wonder more than fear, for the process seems surprisingly natural, rather like a butterfly emerging from its curtisus. A blinding, and now we see Carol turning red. A blinding light flares within her soul, a thing apart from her that instantly becomes a part of her to form a union that will last till death. The light is power, and Carol uses it without hesitation. She just blasts these ships out because she does not hesitate about killing the brood. Kitty shouts, everything's fixed. Throw the switch, Lodondra. Throw us into warp. And they do, and they are instantly like, wait, did Kitty come in? Because she was saying it on the wrong side of the ship. (laughs) Professor Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters, Salem Center, New York. The title is something of a misnomer these days. Through the mansion... (laughs) Because I got stuck on the word misnomer as I think about the danger room and how that was the first time I've ever heard of the word misnomer. And and so, you know, X-Men, broadening your, X, um, your vocabulary. Which I was just having the thought on my ride home this evening. Um... Ugh, I meant to mention how today's November 29th, and I didn't even say why I mentioned the date. Uh, not shout-outs, but just special reference, and she was never going to hear this, especially not 15 minutes in, which is why I wanted to do it 15 minutes ago, 14 minutes ago. But uh, today's my 15th anniversary, wedding anniversary, so just want to mention that to my lovely wife, and thank her for sticking with old dad this long. Through the highs and lows and wins and victory sought. And just 
super appreciative of her. And now I feel silly for saying all of it. Um, Miss Nomore, better than before, courtesy of construction robots provided by Lalandra, the school is, a, is in truth no more. As a young man, Charles Xavier had a dream of an earth where humanity and mankind live better in peace to fulfill the dream. And we see that he's setting the dinner on the table. And he has some salads and some a drink and another bowl. But I can't tell what dinner really is. And to protect the world from the deep the predatorations of evil mutants, he formed the school whose students became the uncanny X-Men. Unsung heroes feared often and hated by the very people they were sworn to save. They became his surrogate children. Even though he has a child right now that he doesn't know about yet. Whom, right? No, 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 161. So I think we've been introduced to um, Gabriel Haller, but I don't think we know he is a kid from that yet. I'm sure he knows in his head. Well, of course he knows now, because Mariah would have told him about it by now. But he's refusing to be a better father in this timeline. And since their abduction, his nights have become haunted. His hands, he believes, covered with blood. The dream may still be good, but this dreamer's done. And Ileana comes in, all of 16 or 15. You know, she's not six. <clears throat> you call me, Professor? Dinner's re ready, Ileana. Great, I'm starved. The girl is Ileana Raspitina. So they just say Raspid to Kalash's kid sister. And she wearing her soul um gem bracelet or necklace. I've been exploring the house. It's almost exactly as I remember it. Though it's a bit spooky with just the two of us here. Mar will be back on Monday. That's wonderful. I like Dr. McTaggart a lot. I'm sure she'll be pleased to hear that. I like you too, Professor Honest. Which is fun, because you can just tell like, he probably did have the thought of, like, but what about me? <clears throat> and so they're sitting down. I see her. There's bread, <clears throat> take, mashed potatoes. He's drinking. Uh, it's just a brown meat, so probably steak. Professor, and this, so we pretty much get a recap on, like, who is she and who is he? Professor, sometimes I hear your voice perfectly clearly, but you're nowhere around. I don't actually hear anything. That is, with my ears, the words seem to pop into my head. How is that? And how come, which is rude, like, you ask a bunch of questions there, let them answer. And how come before I returned here with you and Dr. McTaggart, I could only speak Russian? I remember you touching my forehead one night. As I fell asleep, and the next morning when I woke up, I spoke perfect English. I taught you while you slept. I figured that, but how? And he thinks to, at her with my thoughts. Oh! I am a mutant like your brother. And he's talking aloud. Peter, but where he transforms his body into organic still, I read minds, different people, different abilities. Do, do you think, know what I'm thinking? A telepath should never discriminately mind scans people, especially those in his care. Your secrets are safe from me, child. Which is curious. Uh, he, he says that face-fronting, but we all know the evils of Xavier. Professor, am I a mutant? Perhaps. I'm not sure. I could do neat things, too, just like Peter. Such as what? Oh, things. And we should see, like, her bangs 
like give her eyes a little bit of a shadow where it's like a little mischievous, a little minx. Yolanda's thoughts have protected by an extraordinary, powerful, and sophisticated psionic shield. So he, and this is the problem where Xavier could never teach uh, Ileana as, like, since he can't read her minds, he finds that mysterious, but he's also disinterested as, if he can't read you like a book, then what's the point? He, He likes to have the upper hand. It could be natural, but I doubt it. According to Mryer, she has abducted a demon lord named Belasco and held for seven years in his mystic domain, though only moments pass here on Earth, seen in X-Men 160, pivotal issue. So that was only four issues ago. So that happened. They She turned, she went from six to 16, and then immediately the X-Men went to space. <laughs> so... And it's going to be a full year before we even told the story of what happened, which is an interesting play. Probably because like Claremont's writing the script and giving it to uh, Brent Anderson, and then they're going to do the mini, but might as well tease it out as Claremont's writing it in real time and probably seeing pages of it. What she experienced there, for good or ill, no one knows. I ought to investigate and find a way to pierce that barrier, but... I no longer care enough to make that attempt. Let Mariah deal with her. All I want is to be left alone. <laughs> but he'll feed her, which is nice. So then Kitty's waking up. Ugh, I must be alive. It hurt too much to be anything else. And there's great lettering by Joe Rosen, too. Like, the letters were all spaced out. The bubble is all broken. So hard to move. Phil is so tired. Weak. Hello? Is anyone there? Can anyone hear me? Kitty, Carol, thank heaven, is that you? And we pretty much get the debut, there's no page numbers here, but of the binary uniform, as seen on the cover, white boots flaming to red tights that go into like a bikini, a white bikini top, uh, that has red, pretty much like how, it's an hourglass, but with like a shapely middle. And two black stars, and she has matching white, uh, white uh, opera glasses. Not glasses, <laughs> opera gloves. Later, af- after the others have been revived, and they're all wearing spacesuits for some reason. They weren't wearing them before. Oh, 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 and. They're wearing spacesuits because the power's off. Like, I guess life support's active, but for a limited time. So they're all wearing suits to try to stay warm. But you can see the uh, the air in the, coming out of their mouths. And Scott's wondering if it's a permanent uh, change. Kara's hoping it is. And Kitty's like, she's beautiful. When I first saw her, I thought she was an angel. Kalash is trying to keep her quiet so she can conserve her energy. Funny, isn't it? How long ago I was taking care of you? Kitty says to Kurt. And Kurt's like, "Uh uh-huh. Kurt, fuzzy elf, I feel so cold. We all do. But why aren't we moving? Rolander explains how they're just drifting in space, like the warp took all their energy. Kara's like, nowhere near enough world to do it right. What's needed is the functional equivalent of a star. She goes into the batteries and just charges them up. 
She knows instinctively what must be done. Once more, she reaches within herself to the light in her soul that feels newborn, yet as old as time. Get a double-page ad for Saturday morning. Mega fun on CBS with the Pandaramian, Pandamodium, the new Meathead, Meatballs and Spaghetti, the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner show, which that one I'm familiar with, Sylvester and Tweety, Daffy and Speedy, and the new Gillian's Planet, where the Gillian's Island people are on a different planet, which I did not know was part of the mythos. And I guess that is the name of the show, Sylvester and Tweety, Daffy and Speedy. Horrible naming. And then 9.30, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. 10.30, the new Gillian's Planet. And then 11 o'clock, because this is how, like, you, you'll wake up early and then just watch cartoons all day long, it felt like, until lunchtime. Pandemonium, 11.30, Meatballs and Spaghetti. 12, the Popeye and Olive com- comedy show. <clears throat> Curious why they didn't put olive oil there. Uh, 12.30, the brand new episodes, the new Fat Albert show. 1 o'clock, Black Star. 1.30, the new sh- series, the CBS Children's Film Festival. Or I can only imagine they just played a movie. And unleashes it. And the ship comes alive. Scott comes to check on her. Not too shabby, huh? And she's no longer red skin. Like. And I guess when she's binary, her her hair is like a, a, a sun flaring. Which is not something you want. So she's taking a breath. These look... Those looks ain't deceiving, my friend. I was wondering if my new incarnation upper limit to his abilities. Now I know. And Scott's like, what a limit. And so now um, they're back up uh, to fix the ship. And Colossus is taking his turn, which is like, I can't shoot missiles, but you can fix the ship. Sure. And Binary's uh, sealing things with her new blast powers. And she's talking to him, which I find fun that she's talking to him about all the new colors she can see and experience and trying to relate to his artistic side. And he offers her, oh, I should just read it. My old friend, Captain Marvel, was gifted with cosmic awareness and ability to become one with the universe. I think I've gone beyond that. His was a spiritual merger, mine a physical. Somehow when I use my powers, I tap into a white hole. My energy source is the primal fabric of the universe. Like a star, I can generate heat, light, radiation across the spectrum, gravity, and my perceptions. Colossus, you can't imagine what I see. Wonderful as it is. Fun spectrum with good friend, Monica Rambeau. Which I don't even think... Like, do they really know each other? I imagine you, if they have, is like to pass the torch to each other. You invited me to join, Tokovich? Best offer I've had all day, big fella, and it's mean living and working on Earth. Uh, nothing, actually. Everything. When I was a teenager, I hitchhiked to Cape Canaveral to watch an Apollo launch. My dad wailed the tar out of me. But it was worth it. I want it so badly being as... And we know in the present that he was an abusive father. Like, he was a drunk and abusive. Because you can be one and the other. But being both, come on. Pick a lane. 
I'd rather you be drunk and not hit your kids, but look at me on my high horse over here, my hot takes. I want so badly to be an astronaut to explore space, discover new worlds, alien civilizations, which is fine in the Marvel Universe as you could potentially do that. You know, like join NASA or S.H.I.E.L.D. or SWORD. Which, I don't know, do you apply for S.H.I.E.L.D. and then do a personality test? And like, yeah, it's space for you. No. I imagine you just apply straight to SWORD. And, oh, what's the time, the interdimensional one? By Saber or something? Saber does not have the word D in it. But you could literally be like, I want to be a space guy. And then literally just be in space in 10 years. As Miss Marvel, I almost made it. Now suddenly my dreams come true beyond my wildest expectations. And then we see we get sad, Carol. And there's a price. Returning with you means rejecting my heart's desire. But fulfilling that desire means leaving everyone everything I loved. Earth was Carol Danvers' home, Colossus. But I fear it has no place for binary. <laughs> Not trademarked, though. And then we see Kurt taking care of Kitty. Stop fidgeting. I'm nearly finished. Deep breath again. Cough. Cough. <laughs> because it's K-O-F-F. What's the verdict, Doc? Would I live? Hmm. Great answer. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Let's hope so, for your sake. Doc, think, eh? You're better than... I had to say that to get into character. You better, but not bet yet best. I feel fine, Kurt. Except I feel rotten goofing off in bed while this... Rest of you are working so hard. How noble. You're entitled to... How does he call me? Ah. How noble. You're entitled to goof off, kiddo. You're sick. Stay in bed. Try to sleep. Drink more. Hot lemon, honey, tea, and chicken broth. I'll check on you in a few hours, Vrshin. Sure, get off Vrshin Chin Kachin. Oh, yeah, Kachin. That should be my character word. With that, Nightcrawler teleports to the command deck, He's, his smile turning to a troubled frown. And Scott's asking him about it. He's like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I didn't do anything to heal her, and yet, here she is, all healed up. And Wolverine comes in, like, some questions are better left unanswered, elf. What's the blazes is that supposed to mean? The kid's fine. What more do you want? The reason why, mean frown. Oh, I think maybe that was the You've been lurking about like a blasted specter since we've escaped from the brood. Maybe it's time you explain yourself. Why can't you help me nail their queen when we had a chance, Psyche? That would have been done some real damage, possibly cripple their entire race. I told you, Wolverine, X-Men don't kill. And then snicked. Wanna bet? Sorry. And I tweeted this panel um, a while ago. Well, it was during Thanksgiving week. So I did a bunch of research and doing a little side project, but actually recording podcasts, I didn't do. Funny, I didn't mean, but he is, and I imagine there's space between him and Scott, but from the panel, it looks like he just puts his whole hand on Scott's chest. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I guess all that's happened has driven me kind of buggy. You're right. What's there to get upset about? We've escaped with our skins intact. Everything's hunky, flaming, dory. We got. We are friends. He and I, Scott. Perhaps we will talk to. He will talk to me. Stay a little longer, Kurt. Give me her a hand. 
there's a pattern forming. Kitty's one piece, Logan's another, and I mean to find out what it is. The shuttle bay. And we see Storm thinking about how she's like lost touch. And so she's hoping to fly in this giant uh, chamber or the loading bay as she's trying to reconnect with herself. And she flies up a little. The wind lifts her gently from the deck. But then without warning, arr, she falls to the ground holding her stomach. She's just crying. Like she feels separate from the elements. And like she's losing touch with herself. And Scott's trying to just... Just be a good friend. I sort of love it because I, after this, there's a rule, unspoken rule, like Scott and Storm can't be on the team. But it's so great seeing them like work together here. And Storm's like on the brink of tears, and she's like, "Well, something's wrong with my stomach." She's like, "No, oh no, goddess!" And with a gush of wind, like slams Scott out of the room, and then the automatic doors like slams. And with that cry comes a hurricane gust of wind that sweeps Cyclops the length of the bay and out the hatch. He's like, "Storm, storm!" Oh yeah, because she senses she's with child, and it doesn't make any sense how she'd be pregnant. And so she flies off, leaving her cape behind, and Scott lifts it up. And Wolverine's like, you ever figure what might be what she wants? She's she's irrational, with good reason, bub. Like what? I'm in no mood for games, pal. Your explanation is long overdue. Guess that? Yeah, I guess it is. I should have told you we're on Slee's world, or after we cut loose into space. I tried a few times, but I couldn't. It hurt too much. And the X-Men all just look grim. I thought of killing you. Couldn't do that either. I figured there was hope. There always hope. We have somehow get lucky, run into a miracle. Who knows? It could be right, but I couldn't count on it. With the seas, Lloyds captured us. We were taken before their queen. They called her the Great Mother, and she implanted an egg in each of us. Each egg contains an embryonic queen. It bonded itself to our nervous system, so it couldn't surgically remove when it hatches. A physical metamorphosis occurs. We see Katie starts crying. Kurtz has his eye, hands in his eyes. Nope. He has his face in his hands. Colossus is getting angry. Lilandra looks unamused and Scott looks grim. And Binary looks like she is ready to kill someone. The host body is reshaped into the birth form of the young Sleezloid in the process of the source of genetic potential and abilities of the host to pass on his prodigy. So it's just a big old monologue. In my case, they reckoned without my mutant power, the healing factor, my body treated the egg as an invading disease organism that went after a whole hog. That fight flaming near killed me. That was partly why I couldn't tell you the truth. I felt guilty, a little ashamed, because I was free. I would live, and you wouldn't. The embryo queens possess a degree of awareness. They know when they're threatened, and they'll take any steps to ensure their survival. In Kitty's case, that meant curling her a dead host is no use to them and they can just as easily be nasty and binary has heard enough nasty logan they don't know the meaning of the word and by all that i hold holy they're going to learn as she blasts through the hull of the ship aurora's cry was one of grief and despair carol's is equally mad it is of rage and then, like Storm, she is gone. Unlike Storm, however, she neglected to open the hatch. 
And Scott ends the issue with explosive decompression. We're being sucked out into space. Next issue, Transfigurations. And thus, we end the Dave Cockrum second run of the title. We have X-Mail, letters by Philip Bloom and Bob Rainville of Woonsocka, Rhode Island. Wonder what that's about. Uh, Dean Anton Sherwood from Canago Park, California, wrote a letter. Nicholas Marino from Toby Hanna, Pennsylvania, wrote a letter as well. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, and then someone wrote, "Can the Shi'ar pronounce their names without a bunch of symbols? It must be ge genetic deficient." As he writes his like final sentence with apostrophes, and then so the editor does. Sue sounds good to us, but no, who wrote that one letter? So lost for all time. And that everyone was uncanny. X-Men 164, which I'm going to promote tomorrow using some images. So that'll be fun. So you can find those images at SNFWM on both Twitter and Instagram. I'll post those once I uh, upload the issue. I'm trying to come over here and see... Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just have one issue left, so I'll try to knock that out next week into December. And then we got to do what if issues, which should be fun. And this 41 issue, which I'll probably knock out between the Captain Marvel and the what if. And then I want to do this Inferno. But also, uh, Realm of X4 came out. So I want to do that. It was a pretty great issue. So the series ends on a high. Also ending on a high is Miss Marvel and Kitty. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Shadow Kate. Got a whole page of dialogue, so I want to review that too. So those will come out next week. So probably going to do a bunch of episodes to try and make up for it as people have been DMing me. And so I appreciate everyone missing the episodes. And we got a fun, almost 39-minute episode here. So hopefully that everyone this satisfies your bloodlust. But once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and YouTube at Jackal S-I-I-I. I want to hopefully start uploading some, like, Assassin's Creed 3. I bought um, Midnight Sun, so I really want to start playing that game. Um, but I was going to do it tonight and record, but um, I chose to record. Because I didn't think I could do both. And it's 1221. And so I'm glad I made that decision. And so and that's pretty much what I've been doing. Like my video games or podcasting. I've been like, what was this podcast? So I don't know, this, this whole thing feels pretty good. So thank you everyone for listening and rating and subscribing. And maybe telling a friend. But. No matter what, I will talk at you next time. All right, everyone. Thanks again. Bye.